As you're listening to the following music selections, adjust the volume, bass, and treble controls to suit your tastes. Welcome to Android's Dungeon on CFRU 93.3 FM, a show about movies, music, games, specifically tabletop games and video games, not the mind games that Joel likes to play whenever we're playing games together. Hey. Speaking of, Joel is here. Say hi, Joel. Hello. It's me, JJB. It's him, JJB. This is uh, Android's Dungeon Pandemic War Room Edition in that we are both sitting in rooms that are filled with... Uh, various icons of war whether uh fake or abstract like uh, i'm looking behind me and there's mari nostrum and inish and cyclades and you hate looking at boxes of games right now and like thinking like oh how many people would i need to play that yeah that's it's that's a scratch it's haunting me joel scratch (laughs) healthy it's not a healthy scratch it's a it's a depressing (laughs) sad scratch and uh it's Joel and I have both been on the same page where it's, uh, I think, because um, I was telling him that I got one of those things that Google does where you get uh, a message about uh, the the AI that's monitoring your existence every time you take a picture and automatically upload it to the servers and uh, saying like, oh, this time last year was GriffCon 2019 and we were doing two games of Civ uh, simultaneously oh, on either yeah. side. And uh, I think Google photos where they're like, hey, remember that time you had a good time? (laughs) (laughs) What are you doing now? And you're like, I'm in my underwear. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, it sounds pretty good still. But uh, I think especially right now, it feels a little bad that uh, that I guess this would be that around the time of the year that uh, Griffcon would be going on a shadow Griffcon shadow, I think Griffcon shadow, which is just like Griffcon, but better because it's free. Yeah, and also it's it's identical as far as I know. Maybe they have less people yeah. that show up, but uh, they don't who knows? It's hard. I don't know. Which is there's no reason for that. I think the venue blows. It's the, oh, it's the such a big bad. open space. It feels depressing. They they can do something better, but the university must give him a break, or he's got like a relationship with them or something. And I get yeah. that, but it's just not. There's tons of parking, and it's in a semi convenient spot. But it's as far as like getting stuff, it's awful. It's, yeah, I mean, for those listening, Guelph has one convention. And it's on twice a year, but it's just these this one guy that puts it on at the university in the basement. And it seems like like seventy percent of the people that are regulars or like know him just play Pathfinder. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's kind of a sad looking event. And we would love to see it like blow up, you know. Absolutely. I, I want to. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's big. even in like in Toronto, like Breakout Con and stuff, you see it, and it's. Yeah, it, it's packed. It, it almost looks body to body, like tables lining the entire room. People sitting down at all of them. Like I, th- I almost wonder whether you're like, we'll have to ask uh, John and Y and those guys next time. But whether like, are you booking like spots of a table, or is it just you find an empty spot, or you find like a flag that's been raised, like you're in Mexico looking for another drink, and that just says, I'm need another person for a game, and you're like, okay, I'll try it, and just yeah, like and roll you've the been dice. Yeah, to Breslau, right? Yeah. Breslau is great. Breslau is like whatever, every two months, and they, they have just as many people as Griffcon. And, uh, well, maybe not quite, but. 
Well, but know? it just feels better because it's do just, that it, with a cone, right? Like yeah. if you're starting a game, you put out a cone. If anybody yeah. is interested, they can join. You know, it goes up to four or five player or whatever. The cone always kind of like it's weird, Joel. I always feel sad when I think about the cone because in my mind's eye, I think of some guy who's too old. Some uh, single guy came by himself. Yeah, and he's like, hopefully, like he's got this game that's very close to his heart, and it might be a good game. It might not be. But he just he's wants to play it with some allies. <laughs> oh man, I, I, you know what? This I bet you could get people to play Axies and allies. I, I don't think it's up. I don't I think it's it. that outside. Well, you know it. what? I, I didn't realize how because I've only played it once and I hated it. And this was years and years ago. But it was just one of those experiences that maybe if we tried it again, I'd be like, oh, it's not that bad. But the uh, there was someone I know has this uh, board game collection and he has tons of these versions of Axies and allies. And a friend of mine was like just on a whim looking them up online on amazon some of these versions of axes and allies are going for 100 plus easy and oh, i don't yeah. know whether it's just dumb Nobody's amazon prices it. or what right who's printing axes and allies right now wasn't the base game i thought that was like a standard it was kind of like considered to be like, like the a risk or something uh, like the the kind of the grognargy uh, w- risk but no one yeah, i know owns maybe. a copy but like yeah i mean like the one i got is uh, 2005 or something i, I just can't imagine them bothering to print it because like how many people are buying that right now it, it almost seems like in the the board game renaissance that's occurring around us that there's really no reason to own axes and allies because it's op- <laughs> it, it exists in this middle <laughs> ground that it's like what are you trying to accomplish with this game because every aspect of it has been done better in other games that i'm aware of um okay, in, so in some form or another it was first published in 1981 but there was a, a 1942 online version that was released on steam in 2019 yeah it makes sense i believe yeah. it yeah, they're still playing and I absolutely mean, it's it's kind of like what the other guys play what is it advanced squad leader but like asl yeah in a, in a embryonic state <laughs> i guess like it thematically but when but if you think about it like squad leader I guarantee if you look it up right now, when Squad Leader came out, uh, came out, or some of those other Hex Encounter War games, that they're they're probably just as old as Axes and Allies, if not um, like just around the same time. So, it, I, I always wonder about this with board game development, whether there's a sort of zeitgeist of people releasing a game that gets kind of popular, and everyone's like, "Oh, but what if?" and kind of go off from there. Like, think of how many games. Or people have come up with games based on Catan just because they've played Catan once or twice and they liked it and they're like, well, we can do something different. Or I like the, the some of these concepts of Catan and I just want to like do my own thing that, that yeah. feels very similar. I mean, I'm sure people set out and then they fail because you know they don't know enough about design, but there's definitely ways to improve Catan. It's uh, I remember I've I've definitely you remember Xander. Yeah. Xander had Catan, always wanted to play Catan with a deck of cards. Oh. So that certain results would come up at certain times. Huh. So, was it... like, basically, what it did was it balanced it from pure luck to, like, um, it kind of tried to simulate probabilities. Yeah. So, like, there would be more, mostly sevens, then less sixes and eights, and so on. So, even though the more likely numbers would come up more often you still had a little bit of balance where if you were having bad luck with threes threes never came up you knew they were coming eventually i'm curious what sort of system because it like was he flipping one card at a time or yeah yeah you just flip you, you know welcome to flip the card yeah the top card of the deck, just like that so 
but it doesn't remove all advantage of sevens like all the uh, the spaces are basically the exact same more sevens there's like there's like it's it's set up so that it simulates probability but it's not oh it's a special deck of cards yeah you'd have like you know like a dozen sevens and then you'd have ten sixes and eights and Uh, okay i see i see i see yeah so i mean it was just one of those things where he's Special, (laughs) (laughs) an exceptional fellow. Show um, how luck is inherently bad for games, and and trying to find an alternative. Well, it's a good point though, because and this kind of ties in a little bit nicely to some some news that uh, it was. I was confused because the other day I was seeing tons of stuff about Catan online. I'm like, what am I missing? What's going on here? And I guess it was the Catan 20th anniversary or 25th anniversary of the game coming out. Uh, which is kind of crazy to think that I was only eight years old when Settlers of Catan showed up, or seven. I can't even remember how old I am. But uh, the game is just, it's ubiquitous in that you can buy it anywhere. I don't know if there's a board game store that doesn't sell Settlers of Catan. Um, And it's also like the the prototypical Euro. uh, That and I'd say Ticket to Ride are the two games that like, if you... Tell somebody like, oh, do you like board games? And they go, oh, they, they get wide eyed and like, oh, I played this really interesting one called Ticket the Ride or or Settlers of Catan. And I, those were my first two. Like, and your heart starts to sink. You know, a little bit, <laughs> no. but you know, you got to be optimistic and kind of say yeah. it's an opportunity, right? But they were definitely two of the games that I played with people who, uh, outside of like my uncle playing Talisman, which was a board game nobody had ever heard of back yeah. a, a while ago. Um, and I'm trying to think if there's anything else we had played that was weird. Um, but it was Settlers and uh, Ticket the Ride that were like the the kind of like the eye-opener games. Like, whoa, this isn't Monopoly. What is this? And then you got into the heavy stuff like Carcassonne. Yeah, then you go to Carc- <laughs> Carcassonne. But you, it's fun. you joke about that, Joel. But again, Carcassonne was, it was introduced to me by, um, I think it was almost like a, it, Kale and I played it. I think for, it was the first time we'd played it and we were at um, my friend's place who had all these games of axes and allies. And he, ha- he was the one who had the, the board games when I was, uh, before I got into this hobby that I always was excited when he'd invite me to play. Um, and he had Carcassonne and we played it and this, I loved it. Absolutely loved it. And that's kind of like, it, al- it was almost like Carcassonne set me down the path. And then I think Cyclades was the first big game that was like unusual. Like if, because let's be real, nobody knows if you grab somebody off the street who knows Catan, they don't know what Cyclades is. Probably no. know how to pronounce it, but it's but that's what I'm saying. There's like this step into the. the I know the, it's 1856. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So <laughs> like, well, yeah, but what happened to the Canadian railroads in 1856? Only Catan. Yeah. Uh, what's the Cards Against Humanity? Any Cards Against Humanity. <laughs> Which, like, I'll be real, I've had great times with Cards Against Humanity, but it's something that you have to be, you have to understand that everyone's got to be loaded, you have to be having fun, you can't be sitting there just, like, uh, trying to win <laughs> Cards I don't Against think, Humanity. I don't think you should play too long, you know? It's no, 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 no. You're like, ugh, I'm so it, done with all these. It, hit, it hits a moment when it's like, okay, it's done. It's like, you gotta go on a high note, like George and Seinfeld, you gotta Cards leave. <laughs> yeah. And just like I'm saying, like we were making fun of Michael a little while ago, but like, because I think who brought it up? Did I say it or did you? Where you were saying like making a joke about what do you meme? Oh and, yeah, somebody said they bought it and they were gonna play it soon. And they were gonna, yeah, I think it was his his son or his a cousin or something. And I'm sure we could have some fun with what do you meme? But I'm just saying, yeah. it's like the question is, what's the time, the place? 
what do you what are we expecting to get out this and how much have fun with waterboarding too yeah (laughs) 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 which i mean we'll get back to this but yeah somebody made a post in salt marsh about the dwarven mines and um Oh, no, it, it was about this chapter that we're just doing now, Danger Dunwater, about how they they had changed the lizard folk to, um, to Naga, and then they were going to try to waterboard them to get information. <laughs> <laughs> it's like these things breathe underwater. This is the dumbest <laughs> post I've ever seen. <laughs> was it a joke? No, he was serious. Like, this is what his, his, like, he's a DM, and he's like, this is what my party's plan is. Next week, like, what do I do? It doesn't work. That's it. But how are they going to waterboard and not? Hooray, I drink underwater. <laughs> I, I breathe underwater. What do you do? Starts doing the ventriloquist routine where it starts mm-hmm. <laughs> doing the voice. And the, anyway, that's bizarre, Joel. Yeah. Uh, all right, cool. Because of uh, various uh, Corona Jeez. stuff. But um, now, yeah, so I've ascended, Jack. <laughs> Just say that. Uh, DOS advanced civilization is no longer. Um, it's no longer an issue for me. You can win every time. Yeah, I've I've got maybe like two thousand points on like everybody else by the end of the game, and I've probably played it. <laughs> I've probably played like <laughs> an embarrassing amount of full games because oh my god, full game of advanced of what? How long do you think it takes? Like five hours of actual gameplay, maybe seven. Are we t- the DOS game or in real life? Yeah, the DOS game. I guess it depends on how much thinking you're doing and how much time you're spending, like agonizing over trades and stuff. But yeah, a I'd lot say of like, time, yeah. <laughs> which is also embarrassing. It, it's, if it was on Steam, maybe we'd flip over and it'd be like my Binding of Isaac hours. Yeah, <laughs> totally. So I mean, I've, I mean, we can't play Civ, and I love Civilization. It's such a good game. So this is like the closest I can get. So I play against bots. Yeah. I play against seven bots at the hardest level. Yeah, I you know I still do the two trades are legit because I'm not crazy. They so before we've skipped over some details here. So Advanced Civ uh, came out in like '91, I think it was, or somewhere around there, and uh, it was a phenomenon in that some a group of people went and quote unquote fixed uh, Francis Tresham's uh, 1980 something uh, civilization, which in itself is another. Uh, revolution in board gaming as far as yeah, I think it's a agree. great game in its own right which we haven't played let's let's be fair i've got the copy behind me it's been haunting me i want <laughs> to play it i'd love to play it and just like figure it out because tresham famously hated advanced because like most people he probably or most designers he probably said there's nothing wrong with my my original edition it's like yeah. trying to uh even though he kind of I don't know. I haven't played 1829, but 1830 was supposed to like it's its own thing, and most games don't do 1829. But anyway, so people went around did advanced games a hit, um, impossible to find for a reasonable price these days. Um, it, oddly, Civilization's not too difficult to find. But <laughs> anyway, shout out to uh, generous uh, random board game geek guy out in Alberta who sent me my copy. So good for him. Uh, but Man. the 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 game was there was this period where Avalon Hill, who was a publisher, was putting all their stuff in or putting a lot of major titles into DOS versions. And Advanced Civilization was one of these games that got a transfer. And what's special about this is that it, it's an ugly as sin version of um Advanced Civ. Yeah. Looks uh, like crap. It looks awful because they made some bizarre design choices for the chits that to this like one looks like a can of Pepsi. And it just haunts me. Every time I look at it, I just get angry. 
And there, there are other ones that are just stupid and ugly. And it's still just as annoying to have tokens on the map. Like you think like a computer game could fix this. Yeah. Yet the exact same problem continues over to the digital well, version I mean, of this let's, game. let's be honest. Like in three years, they could have allowed you to just enter the value that you wanted to move instead mm -hmm. of moving one, move one. That's it. You got to click all of them. You got to and then moving and it's not even worth it. And the undo is, is one. Look, it, it's, but. The, they only the, give you one undo, which yeah. is like sometimes I want to undo two moves. I'm sorry. Or reset the entire turn. So it's yeah, like otherwise you can go back to the beginning and do everything again, which is infuriating. And the best thing too is that you gotta <laughs> if you don't know any better too, is that a couple things come default. And um one of which is that and maybe this is like some because we, we don't know a lot about advanced civ in terms of like what the community is like or what people are playing. But we, every time we've played, we've done a thing where if you're doing a trade, you trade three, uh, uh, two have to be not lies, the first two, and the third can be anything. The, by default, the DOS version of Advanced Civilization doesn't have this set up. It's just pure randomness, I think, which one is a lie. So you just choose which one you don't like or which one you want to just whammy somebody with and go on. And it took me forever for me to understand what this was going on here because I think what happened was it, they were truthful just enough times to screw me up and confuse me as to what was occurring. But it wasn't until after that I figured like, oh, I understand this. They called a variant, <laughs> which is, I always thought, was yeah. the base game. Well, maybe, um, I don't know. I'd have to look it up because, you know, Mark McKinnon has the only copy advanced save mm -hmm. we know. And, uh, and it's been years since we played it. Yeah, and to be fair, he hasn't been knocking down anyone's door either. I don't think he has anyone's email. That's the problem, because I only knew how to, to play a game through you, and that's that. Um, and I, although you did get to play Mega Civ or Western Empires with him the one time, and he was just complaining the whole time, wasn't he? Yeah, he's like, well, the old version's much better. <laughs> and he's not, and that's the thing, he's not totally wrong. So let's, uh, I'll let you talk about it for a little bit, because you've played so many of it, but... Um, what is the 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 experience of playing the disc operating system version of uh, Advanced Civilization by Avalon Hill? It's super great. Uh, I'll make <laughs> one comment about AI because this is the most important thing. Uh, because obviously, when we play uh, Mega Civilization, Western Empires, uh, Advanced Civilization, whatever, whatever iteration of this we play, which is all essentially the same game. Uh, we play against human beings, and the human beings all have different personalities. You've got, like, Seth, who's super friendly and will trade you, like, a gold and an ivory for two wool. <laughs> you've got, on the other end of that spectrum, you know, people like, um, I don't know, Stefan or something that are looking to attack you. Now, when they designed the AI for uh for the dos version of civilization they're like how mean should we make this like what kind of person should we fashion this after yeah and they actually there's evidence they went into cambridge and they knocked out a woman there's <laughs> a woman on the street and they took her blood and then they looked at her i guess like her like her rolodex or whatever people had back then okay <laughs> and they figured out they cross they cross-referenced the few they did some research they figured out who she was going to marry they went, knocked him out. They took his blood, and they grew. Um, they grew a Patrick Safranco, um, <laughs> and then they then they asked it what to do, and it told them all the moves that it should make. And that's the, how they made the AI for this game. So it's really it's really aggressive. 
It's really mean anytime you try to make a city, if it has no matter, it doesn't matter what its situation is. It will always try. lose three, the ability to build three cities in order to do it. It will get everything it can and it'll put on a boat. It'll take three boats and it'll go and it'll just go cancel, cancel everything you try to build. It's like it's it's because it's not a dynamic AI like you're saying. It's it's if you put on the hard difficulty and you have to play on the hard difficulty because you play on easy, it makes dumb choices yeah. and lets you bully it. Uh, I don't mean easy. I mean like normal or whatever. But I remember playing on normal initially because I was like, I'm scared of these AIs. Like they can be ruthless. Uh, but I was just like pushing it around. It's like this isn't fair. I've just like eaten up his entire territory because he just won't respond to me properly. Um, yeah. but then although there's like, some rumor that it like responds to when you give them a fake trade true game. the trades yeah and who knows maybe it's got like a a, a trust or deception meter <laughs> of sorts. like it's like the higher it is the more likely it is to reject your things but i i think that's just for trades because i think it has nothing to do with how it behaves on the map but um but yeah but it's, it's like it's it's as if they when i say non-dynamic i mean it's like they tick the box that in a modern Civ game, there might be some that are like sneaky and they might be only waiting for the most opportune time to screw you over or they might like make good trades with your neighbors to try to screw them over or they might do other stuff. In this one, it's just 100% balls of the wall. Like you were saying, Joel, just if I can screw you over, I'm going to screw you over. That's it. Like directly in the most obvious way possible. Yeah, which... Like and you go through these phases. It's like the phases of grief, grief or whatever. Where it's like you're shocked at first. You're like, oh my god, he really did that. Yeah. And then and then after that, you kind of like you work your way to acceptance. Mm -hmm. And th and that's when you've really you're ready to play this game. Yeah. And you, you stop caring. Uh, I've I've lost Joel for a second there, but he's back. But uh, it's you you were gone for a second there, Joel. <laughs> Discord's really having some trouble today. I don't think I've disconnected, but. Uh... <laughs> Um, it, but I and I don't know if you feel the same way if you're, you've ascended truly but I still take it extremely personally when the computer comes after me it's like I, I, I feel personally slighted yeah, by Egypt what, <laughs> if, if you get to the point where you know that somebody had enough movement to get to your city and didn't and you're like shocked and pleased by it, then you're mm -hmm. ready to play mm -hmm. that civilization. <laughs> well, that's, you know, what's weird though is Joel. And I think this is why we'd both be shocked if we played against other people. Like you've played way more of the advanced Civ now than I have, but I would instinctively over computer. The computer is still going to do its best regardless. It's impersonal. If you did that to me, I would 100% start taking suboptimal moves for myself to start exactly. crushing you your just, stuff uh, or you bring doing each other other down. Yeah, and that's and what, that, the way we always saw with, with that big nine-player game at your place. Remember in the room that was like colder than the rest of your house. Mm -hmm. um, it was like there was like this. Um, what do we call it? Like a like a whirlpool where like at the bottom was Patrick and he was kicking everybody in the face and they were all kicking him back. And yeah, when you looked at the scores, those were like the bottom three. You know, it's mm -hmm. like when you when you have good relations, uh, it frees you up. It's it's just like. Real countries, you know? you, but you're not Free spending blood and treasure on exactly on other stuff. And here's the thing too, and I'm almost like I've thought about Civ so much recently that, which is crazy because we haven't played in so long. But I'm convinced that I think um, as long as it, they don't take too much advantage, or they're not getting too much out of it. I don't have a problem necessarily letting somebody or my neighbors have like a little bit extra territory than they should if there's peace. 
if I can still hit my like consistent like seven cities or eight cities, God forbid, I don't need nine spaces necessarily. Absolutely not. Yeah, I mean, because, that free piracy. Exactly, and you're still getting great goods. It's can you trade well? Are you getting tons of goods? It's not worth starting a giant fight with somebody, and hopefully, the relations between the person who may or may not. I'm not saying like you let them have it, but I'm saying ideally, you sh there's no need to be greedy. And, yeah, and I think still do war. You can still yeah. get on a boat and attack other people. Absolutely. You need one peaceful border. I think it, it, one peaceful border is essential for any. If you have two, you're in trouble. Or two uh, aggressive yeah. borders. Exactly, because that turn order becomes super critical, and maybe you can get warfare and go last for a while. But as soon <laughs> as you get warfare, else somebody else is going to get it. Yeah. Well, especially the person who's been attacking you. Like all of a sudden, their purchase. And this is another thing that I think. And we've talked about this before before our games, but the um, really caring about who buys what and in what order, it's mm. significant. And that's it's, it's a rule that should be enforced and you should make it known what you've bought because if you're all just up there, and I get it, it speeds up the game. Because honestly, I think at this point, the tech acquisition phase is one of the slowest parts of the game too. Yeah. Um, but once you're at a certain level, it's super important to know who's buying what and at what time. Because if yeah. you go last, that's another huge advantage to respond to people, especially if you're fighting with neighbors and they've bought metalworking or warfare or something else that you know is going to come back to haunt you in the next round. Yeah, I mean, like I have an example. Like, I don't know if you remember that game at Rodrigo's where Patrick like essentially rage quit. I like, didn't play that game. He wasn't mad, <laughs> but he, I guess what happened was there was like a civil war and so he lost like half of his stuff classic and then like on the same turn he had been picking on me and rodrigo for a while so we both attacked him at the same turn just ate his territory because it was the first turn where we went after him yeah right in ages yeah and so we had eaten some of him and then the civil war took some more and then he got epidemic like he had epidemic in that oh. scene and he oh my god like four tokens yeah like four tokens and no cities yeah and he said well i'm not coming back from this you know yeah. is it okay if i quit and he's said, not wrong well yeah and so like it's critical right i mean these things can happen and the thing is that we wouldn't have been so aggressive <laughs> i mean who knows but we wouldn't have been so aggressive against him if he hadn't been bapping us with like every little extra token he had all game you know yeah and that's it that's the and that's what i think to, to bring this full circle that's what the, the computer game cannot emulate under any circumstances especially like nowadays maybe there might be something like that because somebody could program some ai that's like reactive and intelligent enough to respond to a, a continued aggression versus like peaceful overtures or maybe like you could actually have some informal diplomacy in the, the game but in the the early 90s when this game came out that's impossible so you just have unmitigated aggression at all times with nothing personal so it's it's pure aggression but there's no way to, to prevent it in any shape or form if the computer can do something it's going to do it and you have to be able you have to prepare for that in turn versus playing with someone like patrick similarly you have to prepare for aggression <laughs> but it, it's there's still a political element there's at the end Alex's of the day and Seth's and stuff in there that will and curtis's which will agree to borders and and uh and will honor their agreements right which is it's, it's that's why Civ I think is so fascinating that I I there it has to be a mix of uh, a, a peace and aggression and you can't just let peaceful borders stay forever if the person one of the people is doing too well you got to bust them up and uh, I think that's what the the one thing to learn from the computer is that it will go 
hard. Like it'll get boats, it'll yeah. start invading, and it will make life difficult for you. It's kind of refreshing. And you know what? Honestly, I think that part of the reason why I've started winning so consistently and getting so much higher points than them is because that kind of play, that kind of aggressive play is actually bad for you, right? Like you, because you're not like holding up your things, you're not making that extra city because you're going off and like canceling some other city. Yeah, It actually brings you down. And I mean, if you are able to get seven units and you're going last and you're able to steal a card from somebody, oh, it's I great. Say, yes, that's worth it. But if you're just canceling other people's cities and you're not building cities yourself, you're bringing one person down while six other people go up. Yes. And you're going down yourself, right? Which That's is a great, great way to look at it. Like making good trades. Like you want to make trades, you're bringing yourself and someone else up. If yep. you bring them up slightly more than you, that's not necessarily bad because the yeah. two of you are going up. It's like Catan, right? Like if yeah. you're in Catan, you're both going to have a better chance of winning. Yeah. And that's the other part too. And I, we've talked about this before, I think, is the, I think the getting into the meta, uh, meta of trading of, it's obvious you shouldn't be trading with the guy who's ahead unless you're getting some insane deal and possibly can toss him something nasty because arguably I, and I, I the person, one of the people who was one of the designers in advance, I, I asked her this question and she said, Oh, trade embargoes don't work. But I was like, the trade embargoes don't work. If somebody breaks the embargo, somebody's uh, always desperate enough. They're like, Oh, I'm too away from the set. And this guy that's ahead yeah. has one of them. Yeah. Somebody it's, always ends up trading with him. It's hilarious. I know, and it's, we've always it's just, had this thing where it's like, okay, nobody trade with Harry. Yeah, everybody, nobody trade with Harry. And then I turn around, <laughs> somebody trade with him. And well, and like the thing is too, those are nasty uh, calamities typically at the top of the deck too. So they, they got to stick with them. They got to hold on to them. And that's, I think, the next the next level of play is being strategic with trades. And what I mean by that is that if I know, let's say, the person doing well. It has a neighbor that could also benefit from doing something well trading with giving the neighbor a beneficial trade while still getting something yourself of course i think that's a pretty advanced or pretty smart thing to do as well because hopefully they can get something that'll screw over that get their neighbor next to them totally or even cut a deal and say why don't you look it's worth tons it's of points road get, building. <laughs> yeah, yeah get something that you can really screw with them because you can't let them just run away with the game. And I think that's the real yeah, next that's level. next level is like trading with somebody, but being like, okay, I know you're going to get a set. This yeah. is really, really what I want you to buy. Cause this guy's been knocking yeah. on my door. You got to de like deal with them. And I, I, and that was going back to Patrick when he was fighting with me that one game and I was furious and I was giving Stefan beneficial trades just to screw with him because I said, look, you're going to be fighting a war on two fronts and I'm giving Stefan good stuff, so be prepared. And I think eventually he got knocked down enough by Calamities that he just knocked it off, but it was, I was Isn't that insanely funny how calamities, calamities, like, wash everything away? Like, you'll you'll be in, like, a long, ongoing war with somebody and then you both <laughs> so many Calamities you're just like, oh, there's no time. I'm just too exhausted <laughs> to do anything. It's I like two, you if I had more than two units. Exactly, it's just two exhausted boxers just kind of like panting as they're like trying to just gradually like, like graze each other with their gloves but yeah. anyway great good uh good chat there and uh let's take a musical break and then we'll be back with letter jam and the uh D, &D uh catch up so stay tuned
Welcome back to Android Dungeon, CFRU 93.3 FM. What you just heard was Wellness at One-Eyed Jacks by Owl Rave. So I'm getting some Canadian content. Uh, some Canadian dark jazz, I guess, if you want to call it that. By uh, Some obviously Twin Peaks, Angelo Badalamenti-inspired uh, musicians. I don't even know if they're making new music, but uh, God bless them for doing what they did. Uh, we have a very special guest that has shown up on the show. Uh, say hello to, I'm going to say, uh, Robin Bellows. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah. I, I don't even know why I said I, your last name. There's zero reason for that, but I did it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm obviously a superstar and very well known. <laughs> uh, I think you've got a bit of an ego on you already, and the interview's over. So thanks for coming out. And <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> bye. So, Robin, I know you have been playing stuff with... Uh, you got to play two different games the night that I was doing Food Chain Magnate. Uh, so why don't you tell us, and I guess with Joel helping you, what did you get to play and what did you think of them? Um, we started the, the afternoon with uh, a game of Root. Um, it was my first experience with Root, so I was a little nervous um, playing with some new folks and, and playing a game that I'd never played. So um, I was the Cats, which were probably the best uh to start out <laughs> to start out with mm-hmm. um they sort of have they sort of start with a, an advantage at the beginning of the game of sort of being on the board and and being there so um that was kind of helpful um and it's sort of slowly as the game goes on you get a little bit more cornered and and end up pulling back a bit or at least that's that's what happened in my game and i i think we ended up um essentially um the critters. Joel, Joel, help me out. What are the critters? The yeah. uh, Woodland Alliance. The Woodland Alliance. The Woodland Alliance. Made a the Woodland Alliance sort of something. Yeah. Sort of Which is always, yeah, it's they... always like, oh, well, I had the win on my turn. Like everyone's like, oh, my next turn. I would have. Yeah. Literally everyone around the table was saying I would have won the next turn and I was feeling the same. Um, Except for me. So it was, it was a fun experience, but. <laughs> Except for Joel, Joel, Joel's not doing well. Which is he like one of those situations about how hard it was. For me. <laughs> right, as you attacked my uh, my cats constantly. <laughs> it's yeah. been a while since we talked about root on the show, but yeah, for those who've forgotten like, about root, because it was kind of the flavor of the month there for a bit, uh, and uh, it's this weird stripped down version of a, uh, I guess, a coin game designed by um, Cole, Cole Worley and his, I don't know if his brother was involved in that one or not, but it just exploded. It's insanely popular and it just, it, I guess they released a new expansion that some people swear by and you can theoretically play an eight person game of Root now, which sounds just like hell, to be honest. I, I, <laughs> I, I'm, I don't mind Root, but I think the idea of playing an eight player game of it sounds exactly as yeah, it's it as random as the next game we're going to talk about. But... Out. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I could barely get a handle on my own race, let alone having to learn. Um, it was hard enough to figure out any of the others that were playing in the game against me, let alone uh, another another eight. You bring up an excellent point. point that I think teaching Root is one of the most miserable experiences. Oh, um, yeah. It's like, oh, available. To, oh, sorry. Yeah. No, no, please go on. It's... And even then, no, I was just like... Uh... Describing how frustrating rude it's to teach. It, it's because it's you have the asymmetrical gameplay, but it, as opposed to asymmetrical in the sense of like, oh, this person gets to take one more uh, movement this turn, or this person does one more damage. It's totally different, and it doesn't help that I don't even remember how to play 
the Woodland Alliance. That it's yeah. Well, Michael had the rules out and corrected me at least twice. I think with like things like just like <laughs> um actually you know you know did you know Jack? Let me Probably bring not. Up one of these that when the cats lose a fight, doesn't matter how many soldiers they lose, they only have to discard one card to get them all back. Yes, I, I always knew that one. Now, if it's not a fight, and let's say there's like a rebellion, and there's like six cats on that spot, they can still discard just one card to get all six cats back. I didn't know that one. I thought rebellion was unique, and it was just like, yeah, you're done. But, but that's what you see. That's the problem. That's why I the I always saw the marquee kind of not doing as well. Or the marquee is that what the cats are? Yeah, yeah. marquee the cat. Is that they? Because I think those little rules were missed when people could be discarding cards and not losing. Cats troops. always have too many cards. Yeah, and they should have. They should. It's the government forces. They should be swarming all over the place, and yeah. they may be like a. It's a behemoth. It's slow and, but it's super dangerous and difficult to dislodge. And that it, it, root is just a, a very fascinating game. But I think it gets to we, we've talked about fragility in these games before, and I think root is another good example of a very fragile game. That unlike, let's say, Pax Pamir, where you can kind of, if you see the writings on the wall with a faction, you can be like, what do you mean? I've always supported the English and just <laughs> switch over and kind of ride that one out, hopefully. With Root, if one player is too weak, other players can take advantage of that too much. And everyone needs a certain balancing effect. Like for the Woodland to be uh, smack down, they need to have the, the cats just constantly wailing on them. For the cats to be smacked down, they need to have the woodland and the birds going after them all the time. And everyone needs to hit the vagabond at know, every opportunity. Nobody hit the vagabond because I felt bad, you know, and then like nobody else like even thought to, like vagabond's giving you cards while you whack them, right? Yeah. And but otherwise the vagabond wins, or in this case it didn't, but uh, he's it, on the verge. It, but it, was he second? Was he about to win? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. he was about to win. So that's why Root especially, and I think it's one of those experiences where there are other fragile games that you can kind of fight through it, but I think personally, um, it's, a, it's a very fun game, but I've just, I feel very frustrated often at the end that I feel yeah. as if like, and it's, I'm not blaming anyone, like I'm blaming myself mostly, that I'm not quite good at it, and I feel like I'm influencing the game in a negative way, kind of like clear clawing it, and that he won't play with somebody who doesn't know the game well enough because it affects his game and he doesn't want to play <laughs> Yeah, and one of the downsides, so like one of the criticisms. Go on. I was going to say one. My my question for you guys on Root is: I've never played it in real life. We played it online uh, and virtually, obviously. Um, and I I find it difficult with asymmetrical games, particularly when I'm learning them, as Joel will recall when we tried to play Dune one day very unsuccessfully for many hours. Oh, jeez. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, so I find it difficult to learn an asymmetrical game. More so online, I think, than I would in person. Is that something that holds well, true you for you guys? you vetoed Dune, eh? I did, and then I ended up in um, another I've asymmetrical never, game. I've never learned an asymmetrical game online, so I can't speak to that. But I, w I can imagine it's very frustrating. In fact, in any game of Root, in person or online, I often have no idea what everybody else is doing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Ab absolutely and that's the problem with the game yeah. like unless you know it in and out which is one of these like chicken and egg things because how are you going to get to that point if you just keep having one of these these inferior experiences but unless you know the game perfectly how are you supposed to focus on your own game without staring at everyone else's board and doing your damnedest to figure out what they're doing and then the game turns into a six hour long affair because you're so upset like sorry can you explain why you did that or what 
what are you doing again? Or, oh, I didn't know you could do that. It, it's it's a very frustrating grind of an experience. And everything I'm saying makes Root sound awful, but it, it isn't. It just, <laughs> it's, not, it's not an easy game to kind of get on the table properly, if that makes any sense. Yeah. I definitely enjoyed it better than the experience with, with uh, our attempt at Dune. Dune is another perfect example. It. It's and a I fragile mean, game. We had too many new people in that game. That was a bad time. <laughs> and you had a shitty headset. Well, Dune's even worse because I think if 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 one person can one person can ease, just wipe themselves out completely with one bad movement, and then they're stuck, broke, and with no dudes on the map, and someone else is like, "Okay, thanks, I win. Good job, buddy." Yeah. But oh, uh, I want to hear about your side because uh, we basically had we had too many people available for online game Sundays, which has become a thing. Like, oh, gaming Sundays, what are we going to play? We're going to start at 4.30. John's going to ask us for a one-hour break at some point. <laughs> it's become a tradition, right? Because yeah. we're all at home, we're all stuck, and, and we're all playing games. And we had seven people out this week, which was a, probably a record. And you, your half played Food Chain Magnate, and somehow Y just like kind of ran away with it. Like, tell us what happened. It... It's funny because I played back-to-back games of Food Chain. I played last Sunday with our friends from England, um, or no, we played on Saturday. I think no, 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 no. I, I'm getting mixed up. We definitely played two games though recently, um, and uh, yeah, it was last Saturday. And why in the previous week? Um, why just started up his engine and it never stopped? So we did the trainer beginning, which is typically a longer game. You're trying to have better tech than the next person, better. Uh, uh, better employees um, because every employee takes salary after the basic ones and you get a $15 discount with that milestone. I don't want to go too deep into the details because it, it get it's insane. If you're describing oh, yeah. this to somebody who has no idea what they're, you're talking about, it's it might as well be speaking Mandarin because it, it's inexplicable. But bottom line is that I tried the tech up and I wasn't agile enough. So I, I misread... Pardon me? Try to go guru? I got my guru, but the problem is that I got the guru, but I wasn't, I, while I was getting the guru, I wasn't doing enough other stuff. And why I was able to control too much of the board and market too many things, he had most of the milestones uncontested. And there was a turn or two when I had him by the neck, and, but it was, he was able to squeeze out and I wasn't able to get the grip back on. And then after that, it was just, he made 300 bucks, 350 bucks at one turn. And it, John and I just looked at each other and said, we're not coming back from this one. And that was the end. But um, we got to play a second game the, the following week with our friends from England. It was a teaching game. And I was, even though it was a teaching game, I think generally speaking, I had, a, a, I felt more, you know, they had a pretty, they, they caught on to it pretty quickly. They made a couple of mistakes that newbies are going to make. And that's a tough one to try to explain to people who don't know the game. Because kind of like what Robin was saying, this, the, the difficulty kind of learning a game digitally so there are, there are a certain layer of abstractions that are um, you lose when you're not playing it personally. Um, so if I'm looking at a card and I'm seeing somebody purchase the card and put it in front of them, it means something versus somebody just clicking a button somewhere and I have to read in the history just this little sentence in text saying they did this. There's a huge disconnect between what happens unless, again, you slow the game down and deliberately point out everything and say, I'm doing this, this means that, and so on. But even then, there's still going to be confusion that results afterward. 
But at the end of the day, I, Kayla was in the lead for a long time and I was terrified because she was like, oh, she's got her boot on everyone's throats on this game. And then unfortunately, she just couldn't get like everyone wriggled out and then she couldn't get back. And that one I, I walked away with. But considering it was a teaching game for two other people, I don't think it's perfectly fair. But Kayla and I are having a slight duel on that. But these are the same friends you played 18 mechs with? 18 mechs with. Yeah. So they're very, very smart. Like uh, Karen's Savvy. got a what's that? Savvy. Very savvy. Well, Karen's got a a PhD in uh, in engineering physics and some other stuff. Ooh. So it's like she's she not Margaret with her. <laughs> the math, yeah, I'm worried about math skills. It's, I'm gonna fall behind very quickly on those. But anyway, it was a great experience. So I it, it washed out the you... taste of that brutal one from with why. <laughs> nice. How would you describe food chain to Robin? It is a simulation of fast food companies in the 1950s that is on the surface an economic game but in reality it's a logistics and uh achievement based game with yeah. these magical goals that give you powers that can never be taken away from you it's a little bit of satire mm -hmm. it, it's, uh, it says right there on the box i like that it says 100 percent dice free with a picture of a pizza which isn't even t like there are no dice in it but there are two the only random parts are in the in the very beginning of the game with laying out the tiles and uh, turn order. After that, everything is completely player dependent, which is and what do you think right it's way to do it. Solved? No, 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 no. Especially not with the expansion that came out with the new milestones, which oh, are yeah. now available on Board Game Core. So I'm looking the forward ketchup. to giving those a try. The ketchup and other mile uh, and other other things. Cool. So, tell us about Robo Rally. Yeah, Robo. Uh, so Robo Rally. Oh my goodness. <laughs> So it was my first played experience games, with Robo right? Rally as well. We did. I think we, we played one while we were waiting uh, for someone else to join. I can't recall. Or, mm -hmm. or maybe we were waiting for everyone to finish up the food chain game. Yeah. Um, but the first game was a, a bit of a teaching game. And um, Joel, it was actually quite hilarious. He ended up falling into pits three times in the first yeah, uh, like, and I knew what I was doing more or less, like I'd played before. But it oh, was just no, you knew what you were doing. <laughs> where yeah. I think Mike, I even pushed. I don't you know if Mike did it like like he was like seven steps ahead, knew exactly what I was gonna do. But right when I went, right whenever I was near a pit, he was there next to me to push me in. <laughs> I think I even unintentionally did it because yeah, you did I it. Did <laughs> Yeah, I don't I, even it, know. But after, sorry to interrupt you. After playing it myself okay. for the first time, I don't even know how you were able to successfully push somebody into a pit because everything I did felt utterly random and pointless. Chaos, right? <laughs> Absolute chaos. Absolute you you chaos. almost like you plug in your orders and you're like, well, if nothing happens to me, this is what. <laughs> if <laughs> nothing, otherwise, this crazy event. <laughs> Which is like, and if I you're, think... please. I think you and I ended up spending a little bit of time <laughs> trying to get that first one in that first game, was it? Or did you run away? I, I thought it was you and I that were sort of fighting over the who was going to be last in getting that first checkpoint. I don't, you're <laughs> don't look at me. Who's <laughs> fighting for last place? Did <laughs> yeah, either basically. You, did you get the first flag? I did, but it, like at the very end. Because Michael and I didn't Just get the first you. flag in our games. Yeah, <laughs> I I did it. I did great in that game, but like that was like that's the only game I've ever won, and I've probably played about a dozen games. So it is it is chaos for sure. 
And it's to me, it almost, yeah, it, it's it's almost like you have to approach it as kind of like going back to this is a nice little bow on the show because in the dying moments of it that uh, you have to approach it almost like something akin to what do you meme or cards against humanity? Yeah. What's that? Cosmic encounter. Cosmic encounter. Sure, that's a that's a better one. That you can't can't go into it expecting to win. You have to do what you can to win. But you almost have to lean into it and just hope for the best, and you know, hopefully have some chuckles while it's going on. And uh, because, frankly, it felt like uh, you know tr- Xander trying to fix <laughs> Catan. Like, why not <laughs> yeah. give me a static deck to draw cards from or something? Actually, that's almost a way to fix. It. Everyone have their own deck to uh, <laughs> to draw yeah. from, but so you know you're I guaranteed mean- to see certain cards, but. Yeah, I mean, in Civilization, you can go into it with a strategy. You can say, well, I'm going to go green, I'm going to go orange, I'm going to build towards this. I'm this nation, I'm going to try to get agriculture, I don't need it. And yeah, for Robo Rally, it's... I mean, there's a reason why it's not a long game. Mayhem, (laughs) yeah. There's a reason why it's not a long game, and that's because uh, anything can happen. And you could just be... You could know that you've lost within the second turn. And at that point, you're just kind of, well, might as well just goof around and have fun with it, right? Yeah. It does feel like if someone breaks away from the pack, they just kind of have free reign to do whatever they want, assuming people don't uh, magically catch up to them somehow. Totally. Yeah, you wouldn't want to play the long game. But there are variants. You know, there's Capture the Flag. There's team games. Oh, Capture the Flag Uh, sounds fun. Yeah, there's... um... Uh, death matches, right? Where you're just trying to kill each just other. Just kill everyone. <laughs> so <laughs> Robo Rally brutal. is also just a platform and you can do any map you want. Yeah. Design your own. Uh, what do you think about uh, Robo Rally? Have you ever played anything like that, Robin? I, ha- I haven't. It was uh, it was a lot of fun. It was a nice light way of uh, ending the, the day. It could be frustrating, but it was more <laughs> amusing to just be caught on a conveyor belt for eternity, <laughs> turning around just slowly. Around <laughs> just not doing slowly. anything productive. Um, but it was, it was a fun way and a light way of ending sort of a long, um, a long game of route and, and then sort of meeting mm-hmm. a few new people um, like yourself uh, in that game. Mm-hmm. Good. <coughs> Excuse me, good palate cleanser of sort for the uh, mm-hmm. a tough yeah. evening. It's a nice thing to finish right. with or warm up with either way. Like, I love Robo Rally. I know, I know, Jack, you kind of seem really quiet coming out of it. I, don't know I hated it. I absolutely despise these <laughs> Oh, no. You won't be picking that up for Christmas. I, I do not want to come near Robo Rally. <laughs> <laughs> That's too bad. I'm you glad you guys had fun, though. And you had so. the super guns that you get to shoot at people. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that must have been it. That's, that's what was infer- interfering. But it was amusing. The best part I could say is that everyone else was having a good time. So that's, that's nice to see. <laughs> Uh, I don't want to end on that down note, but uh, that's the end of the show. So, <laughs> oh yeah, so we played D and D. Let me talk about it. <laughs> no, that'll be. We'll do that yeah. for next week, and uh, uh, I'll extend a, a warm thank you to Robin for joining us for the uh, the second half of the show. Yeah, and, thanks uh, for coming on. And thanks welcome. for having me. That was great. You're now thank officially you. uh, an applicant for friend of the show. <laughs> yeah, you're you're in the trial phase for it. We have to you have to pledge, but we'll get you there. We'll, we'll see how that goes. <laughs> we'll send you our Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> Give generously. And uh, our only fans. Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh, now on that note, I'm Jack. I'm Joel. Thank you for listening. And that was 
Robin, have a great day and we'll talk to you guys next week.